All right, so we are back. I'm Cody Allen, your host of the Fill the Gap podcast. I don't know what episode this is. This is the second one we're shooting today. That's as much as I do know. Um, I am here with my friend Brett. Brett is, what's your position technically at lead? So hard. Janitor. Janitor. Night shift. Got cleans up. Everything. Uh, Brett works at the gym. Um, we'll say you're one of the head trainers at Lead Performance Blair, which will episode will debut before this one. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. Uh, right here in the Sacramento region, Placer County. Um, before that, before we get into the episode, this episode is sponsored by Cuts Clothing. I am wearing a one of maybe 15 or 20 Cuts A Team hoodie. Maybe someday you'll get there, <laughs> Brett. But uh, I gave Brett a shirt and look at. <laughs> He's rocking it now, the maraschino cherry elongated hem. Um, cuts clothing, best men's, we call it work leisure, um, semi-casual apparel you think you can get on the market. They have a women's line. Every girl that I've given the women's stuff to absolutely loves it. So you can use code the Cody Allen, get 15% off. And that is that. Um, this is the nicest shirt anymore. I've worn in a long time, but I'm not, I'm not that, getting paid to say that. Like, I but put that this also, shirt on and it's like, I'm going to wear this for the rest of the day. But I've seen how you dress. That doesn't like speak. So a lot of volumes, like you're like me. And I said, I, I wear, said that to somebody last night. I only wear free shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I only wear stuff that like, I think that's part of like being an athlete, like growing up, like, cause there's a sense of pride. Yeah. yeah. Right. That goes with it. Like I'd wear my high school football stuff. I still have my high school football shorts. I still right? have a, the hoodie yeah. we got our senior year. Cause it was like super nice material. Yeah. See, and it's also like, it's you just kind of get years. into that spin cycle. So then when I went to Sac state, it was the same shit. I just wear all the Sac state stuff. And then I got out yep. and I was like, well, fucking what am I supposed to do? So I just wear my old shit and I'm sponsored by clothing companies. And I just wear that shit. But anyway, <clears throat> get cuts clothing, use the code, support the podcast. Anyway. So fill the gap. You are now the fourth person that I brought on the podcast. Most of the time, there we this, go. let's probably get more viewership because people are tired of hearing me talk. Um, <laughs> But what we try to do at the podcast is take things that we've learned as athletes and yourself as a coach. Um, we've brought on Blair and Blair as a coach as well. Um, and take those and how they translate just over to your personal life and the past, present, future. Um, I know I would not be the man that I am today had I not been an athlete. And I don't just mean football player. I just mean athlete dealing with all the shit that comes with that. Um, How'd you get into performance training and coaching? And that is very specific, right? You're not mm-hmm. a gen. You don't work at 24 hour. Nothing wrong with 24 hour. You don't work started, at Cal. Started there. Yeah. That that's because you learned how to do sales, right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, trainers and coaches that are know something about a specific sport. I would say like double down on that, like go into that sport and train that sport specifically, yeah, or at least yeah. just performance. Right. Cause like it's very get, rare. Get really good at like one thing. Cause I think, just hitting right off that, a lot of coaches in our field, not even coaches, PTs, whatever it is, um, try to do everything. Yeah. And so they do a lot of things really average. Like it, trying to be a jack of all trades. It's like get really good at one thing and build a network of people where like, okay, that's not my specialty, but I know somebody who it is. Like let's, let's yeah, refer like, this athlete to this person that can do that really well. Like he's the guy, right? Yeah, yeah. He's the guy for that or girl uh and it's very similar to like when i coached a kid that you ended up training mahalis yeah yeah great kid better kid that i have ever Miss been right i know Miss right you know he's gonna live here yeah, yeah, yeah he was gonna, live, he was here, gonna yeah. live here and then he's like hey, hey i gotta talk to you called yeah 
so I got an offer. I was like, let's go, man. I know, that's dope. I Good told man. him he was going to get offered as soon as they're like, yeah, they want me to come out. Um, but uh, in this space, not to speak negatively or poorly about any other trainers or coaches, um, you can kind of tell pretty quickly if people know their shit or don't know their shit. You probably Very, better than me. And talking to you, talking to Blair, it was easy to see that you guys not only knew your shit in that moment, <clears throat> but you gave a shit to continue to want to learn more. Yeah, and yeah. Mahalis was like a little brother to me. And I was like, all right, I trust these guys. And I think that's important as like parents of athletes, right? Um, send your kid to people that you trust, people that you understand would do the best by your child as well too, yeah. right? Because, and we'll talk about um, recruitment and the whole deal and how that kind of pertains to the rest of your life because you deal with that a lot. You see a lot of kids are coming to you probably for advice, you know, on like what I should do, what I should train. Um, but I've always said that the single most impactful person outside of your parents is generally like a coach that you have in those formative years, like in high school. Yeah, they'll um, be sometimes even like father figures to certain athletes. Um, right. You have a huge opportunity to be impactful, especially to younger athletes, high school athletes, even even college athletes, Mahalas in particular. Um like we have the sets and reps are like they're the sets and reps. Right. Like you can train. There's so many different ways to train, and like that's all cool, fine, well, and good. But like if you're bringing an athlete in and they hate, or like they're not enjoying the hour they're with you, like you could have the best program. It's not really gonna do much for them because they don't like what they're doing. So you have to you have to cultivate an environment that they want to be in, and then you could have the most basic program in the world, and they're gonna see great results. Right. But you have to be more than just oh okay I. I'm a really good at program. I'm really good at strength and conditioning. It's like, I mean, like be more than that, like be more, be a coach, like have, have stories to tell, have the ability to talk to somebody, like connect with them more than just teaching them how to train. You see that a lot when you talk about programs in general, it's, can you get the players to buy in? Right. <clears throat> when I build companies, I'll ask somebody straight up in an interview, like, like how did you play any team sports? Right. Because Somebody that has bought into a program or an idea or a business or a person like your coach um, at any point, I feel like it has a better chance of being successful. And when you talk about like a culture and if you have the ability to get a, a kid to want to be there, right? You're talking about them buying into what you're earning their trust essentially, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because they're, they're bestowing a lot of the rest of their life or they select the next few years into you and they mm -hmm. trust you. So you talk about buy-in. Um, you see it a lot of times just with like people who haven't necessarily played sports, that they don't even buy into themselves, right? Yeah. There are people that don't buy into their work. They're like, oh, I'm going to put in bare minimum because I don't really feel like I'm going to get much out of it, right? Then you see some other people like myself in included, right when I got out of um, playing football, I started working in banking. Mm -hmm. And I had the idea that no matter what job I had, I was going to be the best at it, right? So I was the best and probably biggest banker at the time. I was playing linebacker, right? <clears throat> on this little ass desk. Yeah. Stretching uh, shirts. Yeah, I used to get my suits from Express, so they're like fit tight on your arms. Uh, and I think it's that mentality that athletes have that really helped them excel mm -hmm. within the workspace if they can kind of find their ground. It's funny that you say, grip. too, when you stop playing, like you were in banking. And like now, obviously, you're doing what you do now. Yeah. But it's vastly different. Like there was that transitional yeah. period where you were like kind There's, of just, you know, finding a job or working and kind of finding your way. And I think I saw 
I don't know what it was, a story or post or something about this, where there's a lot of athletes that when they stop playing, there is this weird transitional period of like, now what? Like, now what do I do? That was a long time for me. Like, it wasn't like a lot of people think like, um, that just happens overnight or it's like, oh, you make a decision, you go on to the next part of your life. And yeah, yeah. I'll give you one of the books that I like co-authored. Um, and it was a lot about how, what we're talking about today, but mostly how I was lost for like seven years, six years, five years for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, I was at a job that I wasn't happy in. I was doing something that I didn't really want to do. I didn't know that though. Yeah. And I was trying to find the thing that lit my soul, like being on a football field Mm -hmm. in corporate America. And I couldn't find that. So I found the next best thing and that was working for myself. And you talk about like with athletes, generally it's a simple equation, more input, more output, right? There's other variables that come into it, but like the harder I work, the more playing time I get, the harder I work, the more successful I'm going to be, the harder work, the better player I'm going to be. But it's not always that way in post athlete life. It's not. And you find yourself as athletes, we run our head into a fucking wall for so long because we don't know how to work any other way. Yeah. And it's, it's weird because people always praise hard work and I'm not saying don't work hard, but a lot of times like just working hard isn't enough because you can work hard and just bang your head into the wall. And if there's no results to show, it's like, you're just grinding, grinding your knuckles away. Um, and then kind of rounding it out back to the first question you asked of like, how did I get here? Like you said, it took like seven years. For me, it was like five years. Where after I stopped playing, I was like, bro, I don't know. I, I know I want to work with athletes in some way, shape, or form. I love training. I love lifting weights. But, like, I don't know where to go now. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get there. You know, I started training in L.A. Fitness and then eventually made the move here where I didn't really know anybody. And mm-hmm. then, you know, working hard, just grinding my knuckles away, um, eventually led to some opportunity. So, like, I had to kind of find a way to morph that athlete mentality of like, okay, I'm going to work hard on everything I do. I'm going to be, you know, the best at wherever I'm at. Uh, I was working at Costco when I moved here because yeah. great company, COVID. By the way. Yeah, great company. Great company. If, you, if you're looking for a, <laughs> a job in a pitch, go, go apply at Costco. Um, shouts out to one on, uh, was it Stanford Ranch? Stanford Ranch, shouts that's out, my Costco. Uh, I forget her name, the manager, but <laughs> she didn't like me very much. Yeah, it's um, But same thing is like I knew – like I was going to work hard in whatever it is that I'm doing, um, but finding a way to make that hard work actually yield some kind of result and not just running my head into a wall. How um, do you, sorry to cut you off, but how do you, you use the word hard work a few times now, right? Hard work is so relative. It is. I've had issues in romantic relationships, non-romantic relationships, like friendships, where I have had to remove myself, right? Because people are like, oh, I worked so hard and it didn't work out. I'm like, what did did yeah. you really work that hard? Yeah, like I've well. worked way hard. Oh, like I've tried to do this. Oh, it didn't work. I'm like, well, you kind of gave up kind of early, right? Like yeah. I will say that a lot of athletes like know a different level of hard work. Everybody, you can choose your heart. Everybody's heart's a little bit different. Um, how do you balance the understanding what somebody's like hard is, right? Like, cause again, it's like me, for example, I prided myself on, I never missed one practice or game my entire high school and college career. Yeah. I obviously had a ton of injuries. I damn near didn't break my neck, but like pinched nerve in my neck, separated my shoulder, tore my labrum, but I still never missed a practice. Not even a game, but a practice, right? right? right. In retrospect, I should have taken some time away. Yeah, yeah. Right? 
And so like, I always say that the, the most stubborn and probably idiotic person on planet earth is like a 21 year old man. Yep. Like yep. we will run right. our heads into a I wall. I still got shoulder pain. Right. Yeah. Um, and so how have you been able to find that balance of like understanding someone's heart and how to know like when to push them a little bit further? Cause that relates also in like life just in general. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with kind of the whole field, we see so many different people from different walks of life. It's being able to kind of step in their shoes for a second and understand, like just asking questions like, yeah, how are you feeling today? What are you doing? You know, how, what do you do for work? If we have a gen pop client kind of understanding them and getting to know them and their background and their history. So I can better then, like I said, step into their shoes and figure out what may be like their limitations or what's holding them back or where they can actually go. Like for us, we can probably take a lot of physical pain. Like right. you know, they talk about RPEs and like your overall exertion level. Like we can hit a 10 because we know what a 10 feels like. Like we ran, you know, 12, 15 sprints, 30 seconds yeah. rest with pads on, you know, in the 100 degree summers. Like we know what a 10 feels like physically. But then the flip side is maybe mentally we struggle with like certain things like displaying emotions and things like that. So that could be where our limiting factor is, whereas somebody else who's never really played sports, maybe they're a little bit more intellectual or something where they can display feelings or this or that, but they've never hit a physical 10. So maybe their limit is like when I throw them on an air bike and I'm like, hey, we're going to hit that, you know, we're going to hit your threshold today. And they go and, you know, they're like, okay, that's it. But they're barely breathing hard. Yeah. And that's tough because like different people, which is really interesting to think about of like, how can I better understand this person to find out like what hard work actually means to them? Because for me, it's different. Right. And that's a huge thing because people often ask, like, I'm a firm believer that there's give and take to everything. Anything that you do in life, there's an expense to one thing. I put my phone on do not disturb for an hour of this podcast, right? The expense is that my work life dips a little bit, yep. right? <clears throat> um, there's so many amazing things that I learned playing football. There's so many amazing things I learned about myself. There's so much character that was built and re- revealed playing football. But when you look at the flip side of that, that came at the expense of showing weakness, um, showing my emotions, um, talking about some of the emotions that I'm dealing with because – as a young man playing football, we're often looked at and coached up to really be like, not necessarily ignore it, but like work through it, deal with it later. Right. Like, Oh, you're hurt right now. Like focus up. Like we got the next play to go on. It's right always, now. it's always an afterthought. It's like next player, you know, exactly. Yeah. It's always an afterthought. It's never the top priority. And that was the, that's really like the basis of, and let me say that I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. I'm learning more about myself and I'm becoming a better, more well-rounded human now in my formative years um, or older years. But there's always that balance, right? Where it's like the podcast is called fill the gap because like, I mean, you played safety, but playing linebacker, like there is a way to fill a gap and there's a way to not. Yeah. Right. So yep. let's say they're running or we don't get too technical, just a dive, right? A gap yep. opens up. You can kind of like be a little bitch about it, which probably I shouldn't even be saying. And kind of like pussyfoot and like you're going to get blown up by the fullback, yeah, right? Or you can the, – the best thing about that is like a half-ass effort is going to get you put on your back. An amazing effort is going to do your job. You're going to fill the gap, t- TFL, whatever it might be, however that looks in your playing career, however that looks in your life. Mm-hmm. Because really this is symbolic of life issues and life problems, yeah, right? Yeah. One of the worst things I feel like men do, and I can speak on that being a man my entire life, is avoiding and avoidance. Mm-hmm. And that was 
the number one thing that I feel like is the biggest issue for people in general, but definitely for man. And what I mean by that is if you're thinking about filling a gap and you're thinking about filling a gap and the fullback's leading through and you know you got the A gap and you kind of dance around it. And yeah, technically, are you in your gap? Yeah. But the fullback just widened it by another three feet and you guys are getting gashed six, seven yards every single run. Somebody else is having to come do it. But you in your head have convinced yourself. You're looking at the film. You're like, hey, coach, like I filled my gap mm-hmm. here. But in reality, what you're really doing is you're avoiding the tough issues, you're avoiding the actual problems, and you're not filling it head on as you should be. And that's kind of like the whole concept and basis of and the. And to continue that, you're actually making life everybody else emails worse. You're, right. You're adding load to them because you're, like I said, you're avoiding. Um, so you're now you're adding load to the safety behind you or this guy because now he's got to step up to fill what you're missing. And for people that fucking hate football, which is hopefully not many. Um, and a real life example of that is you're in a relationship, mm-hmm. romantic relationship. You have a girlfriend and you aren't dealing with your emotions the best way. Maybe what you do is you become closed off. You start drinking more. You become, you could really avoid some of the things you're dealing with internally. You make your girlfriend, spouses, even your friend's life that much harder, right? Yeah. It's just like if yeah. you're not filling the gap in like a run play. Mm-hmm. And I found that going through years of therapy now um, and just really taking an honest look at my life that the best way to deal with these things is head on. Right. And that is just so many things that so many people don't do it. Right. And I guess another way to like relate this is a lot of people aren't even honest with themselves about some of the issues. A lot of people are like, Oh coach, I thought it was a pass and they're pass dropping, but really they knew that it was, you know, and it's just like, I found through this game and through life that facing things head on is just works better 10 times out of 10. There's no excuses. Um, people all got their shit, you know? Um, I've definitely had mine. Yeah. Um, even, even going through like, you know, taking stuff head on, it's going to hurt a little bit. You know, helmet technology yeah. has come a long way, but oftentimes it still hurts when you tackle somebody. I have broken nose scar yep. to prove it. Um, concussions. Yeah. The C word. Um, but even taking that a step further is like taking things head on is going to be really uncomfortable. Um, kind of applying it more to life. Like when I first moved here, like I said, I didn't, I didn't really know anybody, um, kind of rounding out everything that we're, we're talking about. I learned really quickly that like getting comfortable being uncomfortable was what opened opportunities for me. Yeah. And open doors. Obviously, you still have to walk through the doors. But if you're able to take things head on, like you're saying, and walk through that door and take it and be uncomfortable and knowing that it's okay, like oftentimes, even if the result isn't quite what you wanted, like it's going to be better on the other side of that doorway. And it gives you reps, right? Like yeah. we talk about like practice, you talk about game tape, you talk about all of it. It's about getting reps, right? Because I feel like the worst thing that could one of the worst things is like cause the most regret is if an opportunity presents itself and you're not ready. Mm -hmm. I talked about this with my therapist, just like even being ready and open for a relationship. Like, Mm -hmm. wouldn't it suck if you found your perfect ideal woman and you hadn't done the work on yourself to be ready for that. And I don't mean date a trillion people. What I mean is like identify some of the issues that you might have that might flare up in a relationship and work on them. Same thing when it comes to like, um, taking on a massive job, like you guys have done with the program, the school program that you're working for. Imagine if you hadn't taken the last two years to educate yourself the best way that you can on athletic performance 
And then you got this opportunity in front of you and they're like, Hey, we're ready to go. And you're like ill suited for the job. Right. That would fucking suck for lack of a better there's term. There's a, there's a real kind of world application. There's a guy that we work with. Um, I don't mean to say disrespectful way at all to him. It's, I think it's just a lack of experience thing. He'd mentioned to us before, like he stepped in front of like other coaches when he was coaching a session one time, he just felt like super nervous and like uptight. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, we have a hundred athletes out there you know, four or five of their sport coaches, and then we're out there delegating everything. I was like, if I felt nervous in that moment, it's like, I'm going to lock up. Like, there's, there's a, you know, a hundred people counting on us exactly. to do our job. And if you're uptight and so nervous, you can't function well. It's like, you know, be whatever it is, like, have a belief that you can accomplish something, like have some kind of sense of self-efficacy in yourself. Like, hey, I'm here. Like, they brought mm-hmm. me in to do this. So I must be worth something at least like have, have a little air about you. It is the reps and it is every single game. I would always get the butterflies. Like in high school, mm-hmm. I, I did kick return too. So it's like, didn't matter. I had return from sophomore year on I had hundreds of kicks probably. And it was just every single time. But as soon as the first pack crack of the pads happened, it's like, all right, cool. Nerves. Yeah, yeah. Same thing playing linebacker. Like, you got this dude sitting right across from you, right? Depending on where we're at. And it's like, sometimes you, I, everybody is always bigger than me, right? Cause they're all O-linemen, right? Um, and sometimes there are, there are things in life that seem a lot bigger than you. And they're just kind of soft in the pants. And if you are well prepared for that, and like, because I've been going up basically, like if I put myself in adverse situations and I, People ask me like, hey, why do you work out so hard now? It's like, because that's the hardest part of my day, right? I yeah. test myself with like hard things, hard things, hard things, like going up against somebody much stronger and bigger in practice. Then when you come to game, when push comes to shove, you're ready to take on whatever it's that easy. might it be, right? Easy um, something that we talked about before the podcast was uh, the difficulty that people have like dating or maybe even being friends with an athlete. Mm-hmm. I know in my like past relationships, um, women didn't get me, right? They don't get why I want to wake up and work out before work. Like, oh, I want to just take today off. And like, there is give and take, right? Or like why I push so hard in my career or why it's so important to me to be able to unplug on the weekends and do like football, you know? And then even some of my friends, like, I'm like, Hey man, like, Oh, let's go play football. Like, ah, no, I'm past 30 now. I don't want to do that. Like, I'm like, Hey, like, Maybe you should try to do this or maybe you should try to push yourself a little bit harder. Like, oh, bro, I don't go to the gym anymore. Like, well, I'm 35. Like, I don't go to the gym. Like, it is it is what it is. Like, I feel like that's so common to mail it in. Do you feel like you struggle at all with, like, rom- rom- since, relationships? Yeah, since moving here, like, you know, in the, that, that, that weird transitional period I was in when I was still living in Oregon, it was a little different because I did have more free time and, like, what we're doing now. Um, like what I've encountered is a huge rebuttal is like, oh, we don't like, like a, a woman will say like, I don't like how, how much you work. Yeah. And it's not you're a, about like somebody that like you're thinking about dating or dating. Yeah. 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 <coughs> and just yeah. kind of experiences that I've had since moving here and like trying to date and things like that. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, like a reoccurring thing that I've seen and it's not out of like essence that I want to be working this much, but like, you know, part of our job, like we're in business for ourselves and we are technically entrepreneurs right and trying to build a business it's like kind of what you were saying earlier i know that if i work a lot now and kind of front load things like by the time i'm 30 i'm 26 by the time i'm 30 that time is going to be given back to me where now i have the next whatever 60 years of my life 
to kind of devote to this or that. And we were kind of hitting it off again. Um, the conversation off camera, we're talking to Blair about, you know, he's been with his wife for seven years and she's kind of been with so him she, through those trials and tribulations. Right. Whereas I'm in a, little, in a little bit different situation where I'm trying to meet somebody within those trials and tribulations. And I can see why that would be kind of a scary or daunting thing. Yeah, it'd be to, tough. They don't to understand. a woman is like, oh, he doesn't have time for me. It's like, well, no, it's like I'm, I'm trying to set up the future. And that requires sacrifice now, which I think is hard for a lot of people to see. And I do think that I could be better at, at like delegating my time, if that makes sense, because I get so into the habit of like, oh, we got to get this done, this done, this done. I'm yeah. working on the weekends, you know, and kind of diving in because I did find kind of what lit, lights my soul on fire in terms of career and what gave me that spark after sports. Um, right. And so it's sometimes for me, it's really hard to like, ah, you know, I've got sessions on Saturday, you know, I could push them or something like that. And I have the ability to reschedule them, but it's like, I want to go do that because like, this is what I love doing. So I could be better at, at delegating my time a little bit, but that is like a big rebuttal that I hear is like, yeah, it's know, time. how much you work is time. So with that, first things first, I have found and I believe that it is every woman's right or man's right to be like, you do work too much mm -hmm. and it's just not what I want in my life. Right. Yep. Because it's this constant war that you wage like, well, they should be more understanding. It's like, well, they could find a better match for them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm a huge advocate of finding your partner. I think that your partner is going to take you to places that you never thought you could go. What do they say? Go alone, go fast, go together, go far or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and conversely, I think that it's easy for you to be like, or me or whoever to be like, oh, you know what? Like this person I feel like is going to pull me away from it. And it's not away from like kind of what I want. Um, because I do love to be on the field and I do love to be coaching up and I do like to be working on myself and progressing my career or whatever it might be. Um, and they might pull me away from that and I might resent them a little bit. So it kind of sounds like you personally haven't found that person that's your match yet. Mm -hmm. It is a little bit tougher. Like you want to just, I, the girl that I met in college cause she was with me when I was doing all my shit. Um, but then that comes with its own set of difficulties. Um, but now it's like you could easily find someone who has, I mean, it, what I'm saying is, is like, there's definitely people out there who are still understanding that you didn't need to lock down, you know, when we yeah, were in yeah, school. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's just a very interesting thing that a lot of people don't like the word fucking workaholic is thrown out there so much, but it's like, if something's good for you and if something is feeding your soul, that shouldn't be a negative thing. Right. Yeah. Um, if your partner feels like they're in competition with that, that could get a little dicey. Right. Because they're like, Hey, you're not making time for me because I feel like you don't even like being around me. Mm -hmm. then it's like, all right, we got to mm -hmm. fucking look at really what's going yeah, on here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that it's great that you've found something that you're willing to like devote yourself to, but it is an interesting thing, man. Like I think that athletes are, I think I, I said it to you, like <clears throat> we feel like the more we put in, the more we can get out of it. Right. That doesn't always work that way in relationships. Right. Yeah. You need to finesse it more if you will. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you got to mourn in the right places. Cause a lot of times a smaller action, a smaller gesture rather, that's more thoughtful will mean more to the person that you're doing that for. Mm -hmm. Like thoughtful gifts mean a lot more than buying someone a jet, even though buying someone a jet sounds super fucking convenient. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like I've 
dated people that I bought nice necklaces for and they could give two shits about. Yeah. And that same person, um, I brought her food from something that she mentioned in passing when we first started dating. And she was like much more, she got a much more emotional response out of that, which made yeah. me feel better about myself. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's what it's really all about is finding what works for you. But I, I will say that being an athlete, it's been tough dating, not just from like the work life sliding scale balance thing, but also like what we talked about when you're trying to find yourself mm-hmm. post athletic career, mm-hmm. like athletes, we go from there's different variations of this and there's different, it's on a spectrum being kind of the center center of attention. Like everybody's rooting for us, cheering for us. Like we're putting on a show for people to just like a dude sitting at a fucking bank desk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's like, we try to fill that void with certain things. And like, I know mine was, um, I didn't feel like my life had as much value. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, all right, well, how can I do it? And so then I get into a relationship where I'm like, okay, well, like I'm a provider. I'm this, I'm like, I'm going to be a father. I'm all this sort of things. Right. And then that relationship doesn't work out. So then I'm lost again. So then I turn to other things. So I turn to like going out and partying and going to Vegas and going to all these places so I can get like this, um, shallow form of attention from women, people, places, things. Right. And I did that for years. And then I just like, kind of like the dust kind of settled and I was like, Well, that didn't really fulfill me either. All right, man. I appreciate you for today.